Thanks for checking out our Legacy Church podcast. We know you'll be blessed and encouraged by today's message. Now here's Pastor On. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest points of the temple. If you are the Son of God... He said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. This is one of the greatest stories in the Bible about the power of prayer and fasting. We're starting a sermon series, The Greatest Stories Ever Told, and this is one of them. And I'm titling this message, The Devil's Tool Belt. This is such an important story that it is recorded in three of the Gospels, the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But it's also a story about what is in the devil's tool belt against you, against me. And how he uses the power of attraction and distraction. Listen to me. The devil uses the power of attraction and distraction to destroy people's lives. And if you think because you're a believer, you're exempt, even Jesus wasn't exempt from the devil coming and trying to manipulate and destroy his calling. So today, I want to expose the work of the enemy. It's interesting that in the few times a year that I focus in on exposing the devil, those services other services that we have all the problems. Today I get a call from, from Carlos saying our projector is broken. I said, and I started, I asked him, listen, we need to pray. This is the enemy, does not want this service to happen. We need to pray. Because every time we expose him, something happens. Some people don't believe in the devil. Some people don't believe in hell. And others 
Some religious people don't believe we should ever talk about the devil in church. And to me, that's like saying we shouldn't teach our children how to stay safe. We shouldn't teach our children, especially some of our kids, how to stay alive. How many have had one of those kids in the house? <laughs> we shouldn't teach our soldiers in the military what they're up against. I think that's not only ignorant, but it's uncaring. Because the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. It's our responsibility as Christians, it's our responsibility as the church to fight for people's souls. It's our responsibility to save families to save our children and to equip people with the truth and the Holy Spirit power to overcome the forces of darkness. I believe it's our responsibility to speak about these truths and ha what happens in, in the world that we're living in and why things come into our life come out of our life, and why sometimes it seems like all hell is breaking out against us because we have an enemy. The devil is real. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, for we are not unaware of his schemes. See, God's telling us, listen, wake up. You need to know how the spiritual world operates. You need to know me, but you also need to know your enemy. See, Satan's first mission, and you had victory over this, is to keep people from Christ. His first mission is to keep people from salvation. His second mission is to kill God's creation, especially his greatest creation, which is you and me as human beings. You know, it's interesting that, that the devil will get people more focused on saving the spotted owl versus saving children and the unborn. If you don't think that's demonic, you need to read your Bible and you need to be taught about this foe that we call Satan and the demons. His third mission is to destroy the church. And he does that by number one, pulling people out of the church, which he does a good job of. He does that also by keeping people out of it. And he also does it by causing Christians to live in lukewarm Christianity. Because if you're lukewarm as a believer, you have no power against the devil. And that's how he works. That's his mission. I want to, is it okay if we expose today how the enemy works? Because God wants us to have victory over him in the name of Jesus. Last week we had our general here, Pastor Steve. Come on, thank God that we have such powerful covering. Apostolic authority over our churches. But he came and he brought a powerful truth that God is very spiritual and God has absolute truths. And it pains me 
when I see Christians being robbed of the blessings that God has for us. It pains me when I see Christians not walking in their calling and the enemy constantly wreaking havoc in their lives, in their homes. And this happens when we, number one, if we don't know those absolute truths, it happens when we compromise those absolute truths, and it happens when Christians don't realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. You have spiritual powers against you. Against you. You have spiritual powers against your marriage. You have spiritual powers that want to rob you of your heritage, your legacy. Want to rob you of your calling, of your ministry, of who you are in Christ. And many Christians walk around the earth not understanding that there's an enemy that's against them. When I saw a national news report about the satanic temple dedicating what they call their largest satanic gathering in history in Boston and dedicating an arrogance and assault this gathering dedicating it to the mayor of Boston because she wouldn't allow them to have a satanic invocation at the Boston City Hall. A righteous anger rose up in me. And my first thought was, we need to bind and pray against these demonic spirits that are in our region. My second thought was, why does the church of Satan feel so comfortable in holding the largest satanic gathering ever in our region. Why does the devil feel so comfortable? And I started thinking, maybe it's because we have lots of religion, but we don't know anything about the Bible, and we don't know anything about why and how he works. My third thought was, we better wake up. And we have to understand the devil is real. He's in our schools. He's in our society. He's in our government. But that's not enough for him. He wants a seat at your table. He wants to sit at your kitchen table. He wants to sit in your living room and speak to your kids. I got so angry when I heard that. I said, this should not be. And my last thought was, Satan shouldn't be having the largest gatherings. We should be having the largest gatherings. The church, come on. We're called to reach the world. We're called to resist and to battle against the forces of darkness. Satan is preaching his gospel. He's gathering his church. But we are mightier. We are more powerful. We have a greater mission. Come on, let's thank God that our church is growing, our church is prospering, and our church is saving lives. The Apostle John, in the epistles, he puts the temptations that Satan brought 
to Jesus in three categories. And I want to give you these areas of how the devil works. And as I'm teaching today, I want you to think about it. And I want you to think about how maybe he's been working in different times in your life. And I want you to gain understanding today and how you can have victory. You can have victory because the Bible says God has given us authority. We have authority over the devil. We just need to know how he works. We need to wake up and realize that things and temptations that we go through are not from ourselves. It's not because we've been born a certain way. These are demonic spirits that will come and deceive you and try to destroy you and rob you who God's created you to be and what his calling is on your life and ultimately rob you of eternal destiny in heaven. We need to get a clue this morning of how the enemy works. So the first category that the Apostle John talks about is hedonism. Which is lust of the body. How does the devil work? He tempts you in the lust of the body. If you are the son of God, he says to Jesus, tell these stones to become bread. See, the devil will tempt you when you are at your weakest moment. And the devil will tempt you when you are isolated. When you are feeling alone, the devil will come and he'll tempt you. And listen, he doesn't come in a Hollywood costume. But rather, in a tantalizing temptation, the devil will come to you. Don't you love the smell of that bread, Jesus? It's still warm. I love the smell of bread. <laughs> Let me tell you something. It's hard for me to drive by a bakery and not stop. He comes. Tell these stones to become bread, Jesus. That fruit is so juicy, Adam. Eve. You got to try it. Just take a bite. You never had fruit this juicy. That bowl of lentils, Esau, be the best bowl of lentils you've ever had. You haven't had lentils like these lentils, Esau. Just give up your legacy. Give up your inheritance. Give up the calling of God. Turn from God and towards these lentils. See, the devil will always have a tasty lure on his fishing line. He doesn't come in red pajamas and a pitchfork. He comes with a tasty morsel on his fishing line. That tasty lure might be a wrong relationship. That tasty lure might be a wrong place that you shouldn't be in. 
that tasty lure might be wrong people, wrong subculture that you're in. That tasty lure might be a family member, an old friend, old place that you used to visit. The devil is wise, shrewd, and he knows your weakness. He's been following your lineage forever. He knows your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your great-great-grandparents. He knows the weaknesses in your lineage, and he knows the strength in your lineage. Because he's been here from the beginning. We haven't been here since the beginning. He has. He's a powerful adversary. See, the devil will either attract you to sin. You need to write this down in your notes. The devil will either attract you to sin or distract you from Jesus. If you are being attracted to sin, there's a devil hanging around. If you are being distracted from Jesus, from your calling, from your mission... There's a devil hanging around. And the devil comes and he speaks to you in the first person. See, he won't say you. He will say I. Oh, it's, it's okay if I'm alone with this woman. She's just a friend. But you're married. It's okay that I'm hanging with this guy, texting this guy, close relationship with this guy, but you're a woman and you're married. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I deserve a little pornography. I've been good all week. I've been good all month. I've been good for six months. I deserve this drink that turns me into an animal. I deserve the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Wake up. Open your eyes. This isn't you. It's a spirit. It's a demon from hell. Wake up. Well, I deserve this pornography. The devil speaks in the first person. At least I'm not really cheating on my wife. You're not? It's not what Jesus says. I deserve to be loved. This is a big one. This world we're living in. I deserve to be loved. You do. But not by the wrong person. Not by the wrong person that the Bible says will draw you to the gates of hell and pull your soul into eternal destruction. Well, I don't believe that. Well, who are you? God is the one who writes absolute truth. God will judge. Who are you? Are you God to create your own religion? Are you God to write scriptures over thousands of years? Who are you? Well, my friends in school, they're all doing it too. Be careful because your friends in school 
have demons that want to take them to hell and you're following the wrong people. You're listening to the wrong people. The devil is a great deceiver. He will lie to you and he will convince you that you are something that you're not because we can't trust ourselves. I can't trust myself. I have to trust the infinite, unmutable, inerrant, authoritative word of God. I have to trust that God is, I am, and, and what he says goes, not what little Ron says. The Bible says that the devil walks around or walks about in 1 Peter 5, 8, like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Let me see. Who's weak? Who's alone? Who's with the wrong people? Who's believing the lies? Because I'm going to take them down. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. We are living in a time that the devil is getting bolder and bolder and bolder. But that's why we have to know how he works. And we have to be attentive and alert and take authority. Don't let him speak to you. Shut him down. I love that when Jesus even said to his friend, Peter, because Peter was starting to speak the words he was hearing as the devil was speaking to him and trying to convince Jesus he doesn't need to go to the cross. He doesn't need to die. And Jesus turns to his friend and says, Get behind me, Satan. This isn't you, Peter, speaking. This is Satan. Satan... Get behind me. Let me say this. The last thing that you need to do when you're under attack is to isolate. I've seen this over the years, people. That they stop pulling away from church. They stop pulling away from serving. I need a break. I need a break. I need a break. You never need a break from church. You never need a break from God. You never need a break from, from serving the Lord. You need a break from everything else. You need a break from the cares of the world, the responsibility of life. But you don't ever, ever need a break from the one who's going to keep you and save you and keep you healthy and keep your family covered and keep you with the right people in the right place. Come on. How many have been taken away sometimes by the enemy because of lies that he'll tell you. I give it up for those who fight through and, and never miss church and they're here every week. They're here serving no matter what. They're beating their flesh. They're beating. They get hurt. They get offended. They forgive. They let go because let me tell you, Jesus is too important and we're not going to let the devil rule our lives in Jesus' name. See, God says we have power over these temptations. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Well, the devil made me do it. Remember Flip Wilson, some of you old people. The devil made me do it. No, that's not what God says. James 4, 7, submit yourselves 
than to God. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Battle against him and he will flee from you. I know that sometimes we fall, we stumble. Seems like the devil's winning in our lives. But God says, resist him. Fight him. Stand firm. Stand firm. And listen, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Don't let guilt, shame, and condemnation pull you from the only one who can save you and keep you. Get back up, the Bible says. Keep going. Yeah, you might be knocked down. We're all knocked down. Get up and keep going. Do what you know is the right thing to do. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Come on. Remember this sermon. The second category that John talks about is egoism or the pride of life. See, the pride of life is anything of the world that leads you to arrogance, Pride in yourself, presumption, and boasting. If you are the Son of God, Jesus, if you think you're such a good, powerful Christian, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Prove yourself. Prove yourself. You think you're such a cool, perfect Christian. I remember, and let me, before I tell the story, let me just say this. The devil knows that we all have a measure of ego. Okay? Some bigger than others. He'll tempt your ego. He does it in all different ways, millions of different ways. He might send your boss over to you and say, hey, you know, I want to give you a promotion. I want to set you up in the corner office. But the only thing is, you know, I know you're really involved in church and going to church. You know, I get that. But you can be a Christian without going to church. You can be a Christian without this, without that. You can be a Christian. And your ego, corner office? title on my name? Hmm. There might be someone tantalizing your ego at work. This happens a lot. Seducing you. You are so smart. Anyone tell you you're good looking? Man, I hope your wife really appreciates you because guys like you are hard to find. Remember in the plat that we lived in years ago, there were two moms, kids, they're in the plat and they're married, they had kids. Two or three, I forgot. Three. My wife said three. Three of the women who have families, husbands, beautiful homes, kids, they all three left their husbands for their boss. Three. Tantalizing. Destroy marriages, destroy children, destroy their lineage. Sometimes the devil will use your ego 
that cause you to have unforgiveness. Someone hurts you, some offend, someone offends you, and you carry unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness will destroy you. See, we know the works of the devil. Unforgiveness is a tool that's in his tool belt. I'm not going to let that tool have victory in my life, in your life. And sometimes he'll even give people spiritual pride, which I think this is the worst, honestly. People that have spiritual egos that think that they know more than anyone else. They're critical. They're judging. They can't be pastored because they know more than the pastor. Pharisaical spirits. They're judgmental at home. They're pharisaical at home. They have such a standard that they can't even keep or, or, or live up to because just pride itself stinks before God. Let me tell you Jesus had problems with. He had problems with Pharisees. Listen to me, church. He had problems with Pharisees who think they had it all together. They knew more than Jesus. The devil knows how to tap into your ego. But talking about the pride of life, I remember when I was in college and I was, you know, four years of college, went to Bryant University in business, and I had a projectory, and my Pastor Jared and I were talking about this, that, you know, we all had kind of projectory of where we thought our lives were going to go and what we wanted for our lives. And I had a projectory thinking that I'm going to go work for my rich Jewish uncle who had a huge accounting firm in New York City. And, you know, some of his clients, Jimi Hendrix, Barbara Streisand, I went to a basketball game with my uncle and Dustin Hoffman, the actor. And I'm thinking, he doesn't have uh, any sons. My cousin didn't want that life. He went into music. And I'm thinking, if I go work for him, you know, I'll be like his son. And um, maybe I'll be an heir to the throne. And I had all these pictures in my mind, living in New York City, Manhattan. And, and he would take care of me. And, um, but then all of a sudden... Jesus comes into my life. I meet Jesus. And he saves my soul. I come into a church like this, and the church saves my life. And I thank God that I listened to those around me that were teaching me that you found the pearl of great price, Ron. And I knew in my spirit, I can't go anywhere. Jesus is everything. I found the purpose to life. The church is everything. And I thank God that the grace of God was on me, that I listened. And I did not allow the pride of life to lead me. But I led, was led by the Holy Spirit because I, I am so grateful because I think in a practical way I would have never met my wife, Lori. I would never have the kids I have. I would never be in ministry. I would definitely not be up here or anywhere in the church. 
pride of life, the devil will use it to destroy the very destiny of God on your life. See, but I remember the devil speaking to me and saying things like, Ron, is the church going to pay your bills? Ron, is the church going to give you a career? Ron, but you went to school for four years. Look at the opportunity. See, this is the same devil we're exposing the tools in the devil's tool belt today. This is the same devil that comes and says, do you have to go to church every Sunday? Resist. Turn around and say, well, do you have to waste your life every Sunday sleeping in in those blown out pajamas? This is the same devil that says, do you have to give all your money to the church? All your money? That's not what God says. Number one, you liar. That's what he did to Jesus. He did the same thing. You have to give all your money to the church? No, a tithe no more is 10%. And matter of fact, I, I would give 100% to Jesus for what he did for me. See, I turn around and resist. Well, do you have to give all your money to the bar? Do you have to give all your money to the casino? Twin River? Do you have to give all your money buying all that junk you buy and it's going to be in your basement or in your garage? Do you have to be so involved in the church? Listen, how many of you heard these things? Come on, the devil's real. He uses, he only has like so, so many tools. God only allows him so many tools. But he uses them over and over and over and over again. He uses them throughout history. Do you have to be so involved in the church? Resist. Devil, what are you saying to me? The devil comes in many forms. He doesn't come like Hollywood. He comes through, you know, Charlie at work who has a beer belly out to here. He comes through a friend, a family member. i tell you, when I first got saved, I had my friends, you know, they care less, but my family, it was all hell broke out. That will come in many forms. No, turn around and you need to say, devil, what do you mean? So involved in the church, do you mean following Jesus yeah. is wrong? Do you mean using my time, friend, family member, workmate, using my time to save your soul, to fight for your family? to fight for your kids, to fight for your future? The answer is yes, 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 yes. Jesus first in my life. Jesus first in our lives. That's the music minister come forward. And the last category that the Apostle John speaks about how the enemy comes and tempts us is materialism 
or lust of the eyes. Bible says again, the devil took him on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And the devil says, all this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. All this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Materialism, lust of the eyes, and we all know that, that wealth, power, and money, the love of money, the Bible says, the root of all evil, is a great temptation in America. In America, materialism is a god. Let's face it, right? So the devil wants to tempt you in this. And he'll try to bind you up with so much debt that it causes you to compromise your life in Christ because you got so much debt in buying stuff and getting stuff because nice things are nice, right? That he'll cause you to compromise and follow his leading. I want to say this to parents. Be careful what you are causing your kids to value. Be careful what you elevate as a little God. And I'm not saying we don't want our kids to be successful. We don't want our kids to be educated. But I'm saying be careful and your kids will follow your cue. Whatever you're putting first, you might talk about God. You might go to church every once in a while. You might say, I'm a Christian, but they'll catch your cue as to what is really, 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 really important. Be careful what you elevate. Be careful you don't elevate worldly success as what makes you as my child an acceptable child. Be careful you don't elevate sports. Be careful you don't elevate fame as a God. Because these are the little gods that we face in this world, in this country. See, Jesus overcame by fighting back with the true word. Not a compromise word. He fought back with absolute truth. Jesus overcame by denying his flesh. Why did he fast for 40 days? I tell you, it's hard for some of us to get through one day. Because he had to have absolute rulership over his emotions and feelings because he had a mission. And that mission was to die for you. To die for each of you. That was his mission. Jesus overcame by turning from all the attractions and distractions to accomplish God's will in his life. And Jesus overcame by making a decision. Thy will be done. I will be loyal to my Father. I will be a loyal son. I will be a loyal daughter. I will be loyal to God. He is worthy. Amen? Let's all stand. Remember today, if you don't remember anything else, 
when you are being attracted to sin or distracted from your closeness to Jesus, you are likely under attack. Get behind me, Satan. Resist. Fight. Stand firm. Don't isolate. Call brothers and sisters. Get prayer. Don't be ashamed to say, I'm struggling. I'm having a problem drinking. I'm having a problem with this, with porn. I'm having a problem in this area. Don't be ashamed. Get deliverance and get some people to cast some demons off of your life. Come on. We're going to open the altars. We're going to open the altars. For those of you who are new here, you know, we continue our church service. We really kind of don't close it. We kind of fade out. And you can leave anytime you want. But we open these altars because miracles happen here. And by faith, we come and we receive prayer for what we need. I can't tell you how many times when I had my demons and struggles and I couldn't overcome certain things, how many times at the end of service when everyone's leaving, I was up here saying, I need prayer. I need prayer. I messed up again this week. I'm trying not to. I don't know what's wrong with me. I need prayer. I need healing. Oh, they, they knew what was wrong with me. I needed God. I needed power. I needed demons. I needed lies broken off of me. I came up every week, every week, month after month, until the day I knew something left me. Something's changed. I am no longer bound. I am free. Amen? Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with family and friends. It helps so much. For more content with Legacy and to connect with us, go to LegacyChurchRI.com. The best is yet to come.